Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. I'm Ross Carl here with James Parsons in Auckland. Bryn Hall also in Auckland but on the big screen because he's working real hard. And we've got a special guest today coming all the way from over the Tasman, Will Genia. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, of course, a hundred test wallaby. Oh. Uh, really grateful. Love what you guys are doing, so I'm, I'm really grateful to be part of the show today. Thank you. Awesome. It's only going to get better. Tell, are you safe, mate? We're hearing all these stories about stuff going on over the Tasman with COVID and there's lockdowns left, right and centre. Pretty safe at the moment. I think it's pretty bad in uh, New South Wales and obviously it's been pretty bad in Melbourne, but I think in Brizzy we're pretty lucky um, that uh, things aren't too bad. So enjoying my holiday from Japan, which has been quite nice as well. So you, you're continuing to play up in Japan, are you? Yeah, I've, I've been there for two seasons. Went there straight after the Rugby World Cup and got another one. Uh, keen to do, no, to do another two more years, and that'll probably be it. Hang them up. You're 33 years young. There's still time to go, right? Oh, plenty of time. I, I yeah, think, I'll see how I go. I think Bryn's keen to <laughs> tag on your contract once you want to um, hang it up. He's really pro-Japanese top league. <laughs> Mate, I'll tell yeah, you, tell you what, one thing I've always wanted to do is maybe, maybe come play over New Zealand for a year or so. That'll be the dream oh, uh, yeah. when I finish. Oh, mate, I'd love to have you here, mate. What, the Blues or I'll the Crusaders? Learn, I'll come learn off you, mate, in that Crusader setup. <laughs> oh, mate, I'll be learning, I'll be learning off you, my old mate, so learning a few tricks, hopefully. Good enough, mate. Obviously, as the panel know, I love Tony Brown, and so, mate, you're just going to jump on that wagon, mate. I'll get right behind you so I can get a, get a contract <laughs> and get, get some men over there. <laughs> mate, I'll tell you what, it's a good lifestyle over there. It's uh, Obviously, the footy's not not the same as what it is back home, but uh, really good people. Uh, the game's growing, and it's it's really good to be a part of that sort of that growth in in rugby in Japan. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when you come up to play for North Harbour in the NPC, these guys are gonna be pretty happy as well. <laughs> a nice no, little spot to... for you in Takapuna you can live in, mate. <laughs> yeah, so very similar to the hotel room that Bryn's apparently shacked up in on the Spencer on Byron, looking down over the beach. Oh. We're selling the drink. It's great coffee here. It's great, great coffee over here as well, Will, mate. If you love a coffee, Takapun is a spot. Beach just down the road, so I know you like getting your kit off and you look good as well. So, <laughs> mate, I'll tell you, mate, I, my, I, my, one of my favourite memories of footy in general is the World Cup in New Zealand. I love New Zealand. I've always, I've always enjoyed coming over there, and we were based in Auckland for a large part of that. So, yeah, that that, that might be a thing in the future. Well, that's bloody good. That's great to hear. Breaking news. Will get here. Coming to New Zealand. Someone called after two more years in Japan. (laughs) Beauty. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be at forty by the time I get there. Won't be anywhere. Hey, well, if Jerome Kano can still win championships at age infinity or whatever he is in in Toulouse, how good is he? There's no reason why not. I think he's a guy. He is a phenomenal player. I think the guy that he hit in the game is still getting back up 
I mean, he didn't miss. <laughs> I literally texted him. I said, has that guy got back up yet? And he just sent cry faces back. So he knew he got him. And they all, did, you, you know how um, they're all going upstairs now for like those big shots if anyone stays down? Like it was so legit, such a clean hit. He's, he, you know, he, he went out the way he came in. It was great to see. <laughs> I mean, Digby Iwani is still recovering from that 2011 Rugby World Cup. Did he get, dra- on the Did he get dra- dra- dragged back from over the trial line? Manhandled. <laughs> Did he ever put him down? Oh, He's a phenomenal player. Yeah, yeah, that legend. We'll, we'll get onto that game a little bit later on. Uh, well, let's, let's start off with you guys over the Tasman. It's come to Brizzy, the game, has it? Rugby Australia's had to adapt. I think it's, we're pretty fortunate that you know, the tour itself is going ahead and the French are here. Uh, we're going to get some Test Rugby. Um, which is something that we're all craving. So I guess it's, it's been amazing that the the game has been able to adapt and we've moved the test to Brisbane so that we can go ahead with it. And yeah, mate, just in, just you know, it's in my backyard, so I might head out there and uh, see how the boys go. Uh, no DuPont, though. That's a big talking point. Obviously, you, you two blokes probably got a take on that. What is this French side going to be like without DuPont and Intermac? Yeah, I think, again, we've talked about him a lot on this podcast and probably will can chip on around this as well. But yeah, having that kind of player who... Um, I guess as you'd probably say arguably probably the best halfback in the world but maybe Aaron Smith so you know with his running threat and his ability to be in uh, big moments to be able to influence on the game um, it's definitely going to be a loss for them but again it opens up another opportunity for other players and I guess well the question that I wanted to ask you bro you can answer that around um, DuPont but I guess what are the what are the expectations of the Aussie squad I think you obviously had Dave Rennie here for a year and been able to um, implement a few things but there's the expectation for the Wallabies to win that series and to have a bit of confidence going to that rugby championship? Yeah, I think for the for the Wallabies, you think about the, the French season's been so long and a lot of their players, you know, by the time this, this, this year time of year comes around, they're pretty exhausted mentally and physically. So I think for us as, as, as the Aussie team, we're coming into this uh, series fresh off the back in the middle of our season, you know, right smack bang in the middle. So we're, everyone's hungry for Test Rugby. Everybody's looking forward to it. Um, and obviously the French haven't been able to get all their top players down here uh, for, the, for the series. So I think, I think it's funny if we didn't get a result in terms of winning the series, but I know that the guys are hungry and really, really looking forward to getting stuck back in. It's, it's sort of a win-win for the French side. Like they haven't got their big stars down here. So you used to speak about obviously in the middle of, this, of the season for the Wallabies and they're hungry to get into it. But because there's so many opportunities in the squad for the French, they're going to be hungry. There's going to be a lot of excitement and energy in, in that camp as well. And, and through that opportunity, and a lot of those players have come through that under-20s environment that, that sort of fought quite hard against Australia through that same period. You know, the Aussie under-20s and the, and the French under-20s, and they had, both had a lot of success. And obviously the French under-20s winning 18 and 19. And I, I just feel that, our expectation was a full squad to come down and, and probably had them at favourites, whereas this brings them in as the underdogs and, and the, the sort of unknown and, and the unexpected. And, and then to look at where they want to get to for 2023 and the depth it can potentially create for them. I mean, I, d- I don't see this tour being a, a lose losing situation for them. I, I feel like it's a real win-win for the French and a win-win for, for potentially the Wallabies, building some confidence, getting their group together and, and sort of like what Bryn mentioned, getting off to a good start second year with Dave Rennie. Where do we end up at halfback, um, Will, when you look at what the Aussies have got? If Nick White's not available, Jake Gordon is here walking at that nine jersey? Well, I think firstly, I'd say Nick White is, is comfortably the best halfback in Australia. I think if you look at when he plays for the Wallabies and for the Brumbies, both, both teams are a much better side when he's on there. Just his ability to, to make the right decisions under pressure in, and 
just contribute in terms of his physical abilities, his running game, his passing game, his kicking game. Mm. I think Jake's injured. Jake uh, did his MCL just, uh, in, I think, in the last game of the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. So he's, I think he's touch and go for that first test. But um, you mean, I'd, I'd have to say if Jake was right, I, I, I would have gone with Jake with Whitey being injured. But you wouldn't, I don't think you, you'd want to chuck him in straight into that first test coming off the back of injury. I think Tate McDermott's been pretty... He's been excellent, I think, throughout all um, the you know Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby Trans Tasman. So you'd want to give him an opportunity to continue to build on that momentum and build on that confidence. Uh, and then obviously you've got Ryan Lonergan, who's, who's still pretty green. I think he's only had a handful of starts for the Brumbies. So you know, moving into the test, I'd probably go with a Tate McDermott, give him the opportunity to play off play off the confidence that he's built throughout the Super Rugby season. Uh, and you know. Hopefully, Jake and Whitey come back at some point, uh, whether that be for the rugby championship or the back end of this series. There's, there's potentially um, going to be Noah Lolosio at 10 as well. With, there's a bit of injury crowd, uh, cloud around Tamura and O'Connor. You know, we speak about the youth and excitement of the, the French. I, I think, you know, this is a prime opportunity for two young guys to start a combination, that and Tate McDermott, that which you touched on and Lonergan when he comes on, if, if that's the way they go. But also, Lolosio obviously had a massive um, sort of imprint in Super Rugby, and then Test Match Rugby was quite intense for them last year. Do you see this as a big opportunity for him to get his confidence at this level? I love the, uh, I love the fact that through injury they're forced to play big minutes now because a lot of the times when they're coming off the bench, as young players, you tend to rely on the senior players, particularly in that test match environment. You think to yourself, it's fine if I make a mistake because I'm only on the bench or next week someone else is going to start or the senior player is going to start. You sort of can have that mindset. So I think the fact that they're forced into a, the fact that they have to start and they're going to have to play big minutes and take control of the team, I think it's an opportunity for them to build themselves into test match rugby, see if they can um, mix it at this level and then obviously understand the things they need to work on to get better and to grow into being good test match players. There's a few injuries around the inside backs and a lot of Sierra and um, we talked about what, Nick White and that. Just the, I'd like to hear your opinion on your, your midfield pairings. Obviously Matt Tamur is great around uh, being that 12 and that kind of decision maker and great communicator and ball skills and I guess with him under an injury cloud as well you've got Isaiah Parisi who was fantastic um, at um, Super Rugby level with that Trans-Tasman we talked about him a lot. And then you've got, obviously, Hunter Paisami as their 12, who was in that rugby championship last year. Do you feel they need that kind of balance around having a ball-carrying midfielder as well as a person like to, on the player like Tamil that could complement them really well? Or do you reckon they just go with Hunter and Isaiah? In that I like the idea. Like The, the, the perfect balance is having Matty Tamora at um, 12 because he is that ball-carrying presence. He's a big body. Physically, he's a good defender as well. But he has the ability to playmake. And I think Hunter Paisami is probably... A very like-for-like swap in that he is very physical. He likes he likes he runs good lines. He's he's a physical presence in, in defense, and he, he can throw a good pass. He's obviously got to grow into that a little bit more. I think uh, at that at test level because you don't have the same time and space, and it's at a different level of intensity. But I I think there there is an injury cloud around Amadi and uh, James O'Connor. So I'd like the idea of um, Paisami at, at twelve, and then mate, thir- yeah. I, You'd have to go on, you know, form and performance. I think Parisi's been outstanding at 13. Just his ability to break the line, the ability to, mm. to create second phase, play with the offload. Um, and I think the one thing that we've years has gone by is just physical presence. And I think if you have those two in the midfield, it gives you punch, but also gives the ability to get the ball to the edges to guys like Marika and Tom Banks in space. 
Do you think though, because uh, I was going to ask about the midfield as well, that it might be a safer option to go with guys that know each other and, and Dave Rennie's spoken at length about Fouquetti being a big part of Parisi's su success at 12 and the fact that he is a player that can run that hard line but he also likes to set his outsides up and maybe because there is a late change around that first five and there's a bit of youth and enthusiasm 9 and 10, I suppose a, a cohesive um, combination at 12 and 13 that knows each other, played a lot of minutes already this year, could work as well. Nothing against Paisami because I think he was a big factor as why Queensland sort of didn't get on that run to win the Super Rugby AU, but just maybe that combination and knowing each other a bit more? Yeah, look, I think the, the thing with combinations is you can build that um, those combinations and build, build a sense of comfort through the weeks of preparation and training leading into... Uh, the test matches and I think the other thing is someone like Parisi who's coming in who hasn't played I'm pretty sure he hasn't played test match footy or played big games like that he'll find comfort in the fact that someone like Hunter has been is, is essentially the incumbent number 12 yeah. um, I think that probably gives you a little bit more comfort and confidence more so than say if you put Fichetti in who hasn't played uh, any test match rugby and is, it was sort of a bit of a bolter on the squad. I think he probably finds a little bit more confidence having a little bit more experience inside him. When I hear you talking about the Wallabies, I feel quite similar to the way I think about the All Blacks now going into a test match. Like if you think, say, pre-2015, you knew exactly which All Blacks team mm. was going on the field. We now head into this season in a similar way where there's a lot of conversation about who's what, why and where, you know? I think it's even the same for the loose forwards. Like I think Hooper obviously being the skipper, he, he goes in at seven. Harry Wilson's probably dominated at eight, but you know, Nicerari Rani went really well towards the end. Uh, Valentini, I thought he was great. Um, you yeah. know, went in the in the finals period and backed it up against the Kiwi sides at six. Um, you know, they've used uh, Rennie's used him off the bench, but I, I think he's pushing hard for a sixth spot. You've got Wells, you've got Leota, you've got Swinton. I know he might be under red card stuff there, but like there's so many like it's it's hard to pick that loose forward trio exactly to what you're saying, and and I think that sets them up so well. Like whatever results in Super Rugby, uh, it shows that the depth is actually building quite strongly in, in that Wallaby side. Then at some point you've just got to make that decision, right, Bryn? Who, who are we going with here, and, and how long are we backing them? Yeah, I think it is, and I think look, we've talked about Harry Wilson a lot in this in this um, podcast around his performances, not only in. Um, and but Trans Tasman as well and his ability to be able to we've talked around him being a physical ball carrier, a defense presence, and then obviously his ability to put the ball away through his skill set as well with his passing. So I think him and Hooper will be um, probably the two loose forwards that will be picked based on their form and obviously Hooper being captain in his experience. But yeah, I think um, depending on who else they go with, um, it'll be interesting because I think we've talked a lot as well. Having the ability to have an eight who can play off the back of a scrum is Matt Hoskins to a Akira. Um, we've talked about a lot in Trans Tasman and New Zealand, the All Blacks, of how much weapon that has. So, if you have the ability to do that, we know as a nine ball how hard that is to defend when you've got an eight that can play off the back of a scrum. So, um, there are there is a lot of depth, and like you said, the ability to have, you know, they didn't, the Australian teams didn't collectively play well against New Zealand teams, but there have been enough players that have played individually well where they have actually a loose ball trio. As the Crusaders, which players coming off the back of the scrum did you guys worry the most about during Trans Tasman Comp? Nasserani does that as well, and Harry Wilson's got the skills to do as well. We've talked around Harry with his ability to be able to play with ball in hand, so, um, and he is quite deceptively quick for a big man. You know, he does look big, and you think he's not too quick, but he's deceptively quick, so he's got the skills to be able to do that. Exactly, he can pass as well, he can run, and he's a destructive ball carrier as well. 
From, actually, let's go for, for your view maybe on, on what's going on over this side of the Tasman, Will. You know, when you look at that, we talk a lot about the loose forward trio and how we're going to set up this loose forward trio. If you were looking at the current all-black loose forward trio, where would you go and why? I like the idea of having an eight who's an out-and-out out eight. You practice um, and you play at that position when you week in, week out. And I, I, I love Hoskins as a player. I think he's, his ability, as Bryn was saying, to be able to sit defenders down because it comes so natural to him to be able to break off the scrum left or right. I know as a defending halfback, when you have an eight that's very good at that, like having played against someone like Kieran Reid, it's so difficult to defend because you've got the ability to break off the scrum quickly uh, and also use your skills to be able to put players into space, whether it's on the short side or the open side. Um, and then, you know, look, you've obviously got someone like Adi Savia. I, I'm a big fan of Akira. I, I, I think he has all the attributes to be world-class. Uh, his ability to beat defenders and to be to be physical and to get sort of stuck in with the, you know, the rub because he's such a, he's such a big presence on the field. Um, I, I think you guys are pretty sport for back rowers, um, but they're probably the three that stick out for me in terms of, you know, specifically chatting about the back row. Jim is going to invite you back. Oh, so just checking there, you had, um, <laughs> you had Akira at six, you had Hoskins at eight, and could we get Papali'i at seven? <laughs> yeah, mate, well, mate, the Blues, they've, they've, they've been playing well. I, I probably, I like um, Artie, Artie at seven. I think he's, I'd like to see him at seven. He's, he covers all bases, mate. He's, a, he's an absolute freak of a talent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two out of three is not Two bad. Three. You'll take that. You'll put Dalton on the bench. Oh. And, you know, you're mostly happy, aren't you? Yeah, I'm wrapped. I'm wrapped with that, coming from a man of his experience. <laughs> Actually, I, I saw a photo of you on Instagram over the weekend. You were receiving an award at the Blues Awards. How was that evening? Oh, yeah, it was good. It was just uh, a little farewell gift, so um, end of an era. Uh, so, yeah, no, it was a good night. It was um, good night celebrating the players. I think nights like that are about the, the award winners, and the lads that have done the work um, during the year, but it was nice to be acknowledged. Nice, nice. Was it a bit of a speech? A little bit, yeah. yeah. A few thank yous. Yeah. Too many to probably go through, but <laughs> got there in the end. Oh, bloody good. It was good to see, you know, the acknowledgement of a player like you put so much into that club that you, you, you know. You yeah, no, they did it very well. It. They did you it know. very well. It was good for, for myself, but also my family. I uh, appreciate it a lot. Yeah, well, maximum respect from us to you as well, because, I mean, that's... Cheers, mate. Yeah, good on you, mate. Massive. Hey, cheers, hey, Brenner. Yeah, well done, mate. Good <laughs> on you, mate. <laughs> um, let, let's move on to more. We've got the more All Blacks ch chat on the cards. Um, we haven't found out much about what's going on this weekend. Um, Bryn, what do you expect? Do you expect we'll see a top 15 this weekend? Do you expect a mixture? What direction do you think they'll go? Um, I think there'll be um, there'll be the tried and true that they do have, but then they'll be mixed in with a bit of ex bit of youth, and so. Traditionally, the All Blacks do do that in the first Test match. They tend to go with the tried and true with players that have played well, and then they might have a little sprinkle of a few players. You know, that loose ball trail, which we've talked about, will be interesting to see if they give guys opportunities. You know, like we've talked about, um, talked about Akira, Dalton Hoskins, but, you know, a guy like Ethan Blackadder who's played really uh, played well this year, whether he wants to um, have a start or he comes off the bench, and Luke Jacobson as well, who's been great for um, coming back from injury from last year. He's had a tremendous season for the, uh, for the Chiefs, so... The loose four trio is going to be really good. And then, obviously, David Hubbilly probably going to be at 12 as well through through injuries. But I think also warranted on performance and you know probably his combination with Rico will be one to of an interest if that's the two that are selected in those two positions. Is it David Hubbilly? It's what we were waiting for, isn't it? We just want to see him there. Yeah, I think he will be there. Um, I think he's earned the right. I think it's exciting for where they're going in the midfield, but he's earned the right to be there first and foremost. And, and like uh, Bryn said, his combination with Reeks and, and linking up with, with Richie uh, will be, you know, if it's off the back of a good platform. But I'll be interested to see if they go for an out-and-out -out form 23 
and they just pick on form or potentially are there a few banged up bodies from the final, a um, few guys that um, enjoyed, enjoyed that win uh, and potentially guys that didn't, weren't a part of that um, getting, getting the first opportunity and then holding, it, holding a few of them off because I think loading is massive, like 15 tests are planned. Mm. For, for this year so I don't think they'll just rush to just throw their best 23 out there um, I, I think there'll be a mix and match of um, you know a little bit of a touch of uh, new new blood uh, but then there'll also be a lot of experience in and around it but getting that balance right because you know as I say there's a there's a massive year ahead of, of this all back side. Well 15 test matches in a year can you give us an impression of exactly how hard that is on the body because that is a lot of test matches. Mate it's a lot uh it's it's i tell you because it's interesting because like everybody asks you what the difference is between test match rugby and, and super super rugby obviously super rugby is of an incredibly high standard but i think where you find the difference is you, you have less room for error which means you get punished more in, in terms of making mistakes uh and just the level of intensity and the speed of the game and, and the level of contact just the intensity around that i think it 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 it, it sort of weighs on you and 15 tests is a lot of rugby you know, being sort of out of test match rugby now, thinking about playing like five tests in a row, it hurts me. It hurts my body. So it's, it's, um, it's I think to, to your point there, James, I think you're right. Like they're, they're going to have to sort of um, manage certain guys who have had big workloads throughout the Super Rugby seasons. Uh, and then again, to your point, Bryn, I think what, what, what um, I, I'd probably see, what I see them doing is probably picking some of the tried and true um, performers, because a lot of the times in 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 those teams, you know, the 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 game runs around like your nines, your tens, your fifteens, and obviously your captain and say a, like a back row or something. You pick those guys, and then you pick other guys around them to give them give them the experience and give them an opportunity, and then you sort of mix and match probably over the the, the three tests that you guys have got in June, June July. Mm. Mm. So we obviously, I think we're obviously going to see Richie first up. But does yeah, that mean so. that, you know, maybe week two or three, we, we get Bowden back at 10? Well, he might be on the bench this weekend. Um, you know, it, um, there's, I suppose there's Damien there as well, who, who sort of went between the two really well. Um, you know, nine's another interesting one. Uh, you know, with Falau's injury at the Highlanders, there's a lot of load on, on Nuggy. So potentially giving, you know, Brad Weber some good minutes and, and maybe a debut for Finlay Christie. So that whole management of that, that nine, 10, Area it will be interesting, and it's hard to hard to know um, where they'll go because Geordie obviously can slip up into first receiver as well, and, and you're know, probably expecting to see him in the 15 jersey. Uh, it's just that I feel I like the, Richie um, deserves time, like a few tests in a row, please, for Richie. Yeah, well, I think so. Like you know, as a nine, as a ten, you want to be playing, you want to be playing as much as you can. But I think, um, and there's probably these first three test matches with Bodie being back in the squad. You know, Bodie's going to get his opportunity, so. It's not just Bodie, it's other guys in the squad. We're pretty fortunate. And, like, there's no disrespect to the opposition that the All Blacks are playing, but there are going to be opportunities for guys to be able to play. So, yes, ideally, Richie, as a, as a player, would love to have those three test matches in a row and look, they could go down that route with him playing that. But I'd probably see Bodie getting an opportunity as well, along with the, with the other players in the squad as well. So, But we have talked about it a lot in this podcast around Richie having um, a couple of years in the All Black environment. And I think you know this year is a, a really important year for him for his growth. You know, He's been last three, four years, been a vital part in the Crusaders' wheel and the cog in the wheel. So he's played fantastic at that and he's been the best in Super Rugby, but now I think it's time for him to really um, step that up. And from the from the comms we've had from him the whole year, I think he's really going to embrace the challenge of having Bodie in, in the squad. But I think first and foremost for himself as a 10 as well to be able to try and take that form that he has in Super Rugby into international, which we all, we all want to see. 
Well, from an Aussie perspective, and you look at those two, what do you think? Mate, it's, oh, I think the point that Bryn's making is, is a big one because obviously R Richie's been the best player in Super Rugby for the last three, four years. Do you know what I mean? Like he's head and shoulders above everybody, well and truly. But I don't, and this is just my opinion, I don't think he's probably had that, um, he's carried entirely all that form over into the Test Match Arena. Whereas, you know, you look at someone like Bowden Barrett, like when he was in that role, when they said to him, you're running the team, you've got the keys to the team and you're the number 10. He was World Player of the Year, I think, maybe two years in a row, nominated for, for a third. It's, it's, it's uh, from a preference, preferential perspective, I like Bowden at 10, having played against him at 10. Um, I, I just think his ability as a ball runner at that next level to be able to beat that first defender and um, use his speed, use his strength, a lot of the times that gets him out of trouble when, he, when the team is in trouble, but he's also obviously then got exceptional skills as well. And he just, he, he just seems like a more... Um, I'm not too sure how to say it. I think he's more suited to 10 than he is playing 15. He has more of an impact and more of, more of an influence on the game starting at 10 than he does at 15. And I, as, for me, like a, a player like him, again, having played against him, I always it was so hard to defend against him at 10 because you've got the run threat, the kick threat, the pass threat, uh, and it's just it's incredibly hard to defend against. Mm. But you have two guys who play very different styles, right? You've got a guy who plays flat to the line and a guy who plays kind of deep a lot of the time behind the pod. Do the All Blacks need to switch their styles up depending on who's at 10, Jiffin? No, nah, I th I look, I think teams these days have got the ability to go between that and, and basically your 10's your general. So even if forwards are there and you want the ball, you'll get it. Um, so it's, it's just on the 10 to run the cutter the way he sees fit. And, and I think the one thing from a forwards point of view, if you're just told what's needed of you, you'll do it. Mm. And, and especially at that level, um, you know, the biggest focus is just you've got to nail your role be consistent in your role and, and that will create opportunities for guys like Richie and Bowden if you're consistent in, in your running lines and your setup and in your tempo to, to clean rucks and all those little things add up to opportunities for those guys to exploit. The other guy is back Brody Retallick. How fizzed are you to possibly see Brody Retallick back in black and everything that he brings to that side with his mongrel, etc.? Yeah, oh, look, it's exciting to see him back. And I think it's exciting the way he's talking. He's like, oh, yeah, a few people have said um, things about me, but I, I feel in career best shape, which is, you know, he's been World Rugby Player of the Year, and, and which is not a, easy to do in a, in a lock position. Uh, so I think it's, it's an exciting year for him as an individual, but for us as, as viewers to see where he can take his game because, yep, there's the brutality of it, but he's got a lot of finesse to his game. Uh, and I think seeing him and Sam back together, him and Paddy or whoever it may be, him and Scott, um, is exciting for, for us, but it's also great for that. Like, you had to pick Tupo Vai. And you know there's five locks there, but it's like you can't leave one of them out, which is exciting in terms of the depth and, and what we can demand because we know that so many tries are scored off the back of lineouts these days. Like it's the biggest source of tries, pretty much out of out of you know anything. So if it's not a maul, it's it's enough to suck defence in, so you can do a crossfield kick or you run a little backs play. So having five genuine um, lineout leaders in your environment and adding someone like. Brody back into that environment is just exciting for, for the group, but for us as viewers as well. Bryn, can you describe as a halfback why that ball off the back of the line-out is the best attacking ball out? Why do teams constantly go for that? Are you referring to just like the drive or actually uh, well, the plays off the, plays the drive? Off, the plays off the drive or the ball just coming down from the back of the line-out into the halfback's hand and out to be played? Oh, I just think it's massive. I think um, if 
especially if you're talking around a more more strikes. Um, you know, if you look at on the weekend when we played for the Maldives, um, you know, we scored a try off the trans off the kind of transition phase because we went to set piece three or four times trying to drive and take their legs out. So, you know, if you've got a really good drive within your set piece, um, it opens up for avenues like the Highlanders as they did this year with scoring tries down the front or around the back. Um, or then again, you know, if you're winning back ball off, off the top of the line out, um, you know, it holds the defences and you've got a better attacking um, as, as, as a back unit. So I think it's massive, um, especially probably in the mall, the mall stages at the moment. Um, a lot of teams are going inside the 22, going for drives, uh, trying to score a try, get a for Ash Dixon. He scored a try on the weekend and Hooker seemed to be scoring, you know, seven, eight tries where probably well, there wasn't happening back in the day. So the forward play in the line outs has been massive. So um, if you can win parity there, um, it sets up your game massively. I think it's the it's the win to the game, the race to the game line. If you win that back ball, you can't you can't win that race. Like if it's front middle, defensive line, as soon as it's off the top, you can go, and basically it means the halfbacks pass is in the air for a longer period of time. Whereas if it's at the back, it's almost you know you can't creep, you can't cheat. You know it's off the top and boom, it's in the first receiver's hands, mm. and or it's in a twelve crash line, and they're already over the game line before you've even made your first five steps. So that's the biggest advantage, I feel, is defensively you just can't mm. win that race. You're, you're disadvantaged if it's off the tail because, one, the ref's looking at the tail, so you can't break that 15 if you're the tail gunner, and also you can't break that 10 because they're so so well aware that you should lose that race. And if you do win that race, they're probably going to look at it and go, well, you're probably creeping a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Is this, the thought on that is the same across the Tasman? Yeah, mate, exactly. Uh, I think the thing is, thing about, the, the say, winning the ball at the back of the line and playing that off the top, essentially you get the halfback on the run. So the ball moves a little bit quicker into the first receiver's hands. And you, you, you essentially isolate, you get one-on-one -on -one opportunities with just the backs. So if you win the ball at the front or the middle, you've got essentially like half or three quarters of the line out who race out and work as cover defenders on the inside. So you're not getting those one-on-one matchups. Uh, and then, yeah, again, off the mall, if you can, if you can get... If you can get going forward, again, the, the ability to isolate and manipulate the defense, whether it's through the front peels or the back peels, create the extra numbers in fine space. Yeah, I think that the, the best teams in the world are the Crusaders. They're so good because obviously they've got skillful players all across the park, but their set piece is just absolutely dominant. Mm. That's something the Brumbies have done really well, possibly up until this year, and have been a good base for the Aussie pack, right, with, with that kind of thing. Yeah, it's obviously it's been a huge strength of theirs. I think, unfortunately, in, in my time having been a part of the Wallaby setup, we probably weren't able to transfer a lot of that dominance into uh, the Wallaby play. But I think with this particular generation coming through, and, and guys like Taniela Tupo, Luke Ansalakalotto from the Reds, players of that sort of quality, you can really see that if we can get if we can get our set piece right and, and have that physical presence in that area in the Test matches, we've got plenty of ability to be, to be able to play off the back of that and plenty of ability to, to score tries and, you know, hopefully win big test matches against the All Blacks. I suppose that's the big conversation, right? Even though Trans-Tasman was lopsided, you know, there's a 23 there for you guys. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mate, that's exactly right. You, you look at – so New Zealand are obviously very fortunate and then you guys have such good quality players all across the park. You've got such depth in your squads, hence why all your teams are so very good. We might not have that same quality of depth, but we do have the 23 to 25 players who are of a very high standard who, once we put together, will be a competitive outfit. I think it's just more a case of having time within Rennie's system and building confidence mm. and building confidence through experience of time at that test match level because – We've got the thing is we've got a lot of players who have played 20, 30 test matches who are still 23, 24 years old, who are only going to come into you, you could say their prime around 25, 26, and I'm probably speaking more around the forward pack. So once we can get more experience into those guys, have more and, and through that get more confidence to be able to express themselves at test level and go out and actually try to dominate, um, I, I think that I honestly think Australian rugby, particularly in the forwards, is in a really good position moving forward, particularly towards that World Cup. For creating depth, I just want to get your thoughts on Super Rugby. You've won a Super Rugby title. You know, you've played, we've played South Africa, you've played Kiwi sides. How important do you think it is for the growth of the Australian Super Clubs to keep connected to New Zealand teams and, and playing those, those crossover games rather than isolating themselves in, in their own conference? Mate, I, th- I think it's huge. I think... I like the idea of both having the Super Rugby AU and then the Trans Tasman because I'll say, to start off with, like, obviously, as to, to appeal to the, the kids here in Australia, you, they want to see teams winning, right? You want to see teams winning trophies. You want to see teams winning consistently because no one's going to support teams that are, you know, getting put sixty points on every week. Week. So I like the idea of Super Rugby AU, but then I, I think there has to be a Super Rugby Trans Tasman because we're never going to get better unless we test ourselves against the best. Yes, we got up, we got pretty touched up in the Trans Tasman this year, but it just goes to show where we need to be better, where we need to continue to grow. If we just isolate ourselves, we're never going to get better, and um, I, I honestly firmly believe that we, we need to be playing the, the New Zealand teams in order to, as a gauge, to see where we need to improve. Mm. Bro, you feel the same as a current player, and I, I know I certainly did. But it's key to have the different styles to play against, isn't it? I think it is, mate, and I think, you know, if you, we've talked about it a lot around Super Rugby Aotearoa, it's just not sustainable for our for us as players. You know, look, it's a, it's a tough competition, and if we're playing two, two full series, it, it's pretty hard on our bodies, and look, we've had a lot of injuries throughout those periods of players where we've been serious injuries. You know, we had Scott Barrett last year who was injured, and we've had Jack Wedgie, for example, and many other players in New Zealand competition who were injured just through the, the tough nature of that competition. So I think we do need to still play each other, because again, it, we do um, like it. It is great for our fans, and the consumers love it. Kiwi, Kiwi Derbys, you know, it would be exactly the same in Australia, but I think it's very important for us to play against Australian teams. Um, again, we've talked about the touring aspect as well. It's, you know, it's great to be able to tour and go into experience different things, not only as a rugby player, but the young guys coming through experiencing a different country and different hostile environments. I look, I look at Brisbane when we went into Brisbane and yet we got the result, but, you know, playing in quarters like that and in occasions like that, it's a little bit different, you know, playing um, the Reds in in. Christchurch, it's just a different experience you need to experience, and we and we love doing it as, as players. So, um, and I think for the for the growth of playing the Australian teams, we need to see different styles, and 
Um, we enjoyed that. We enjoyed that this year, uh, playing against different styles and not just playing the same New Zealand teams, same style. Because the, the traditionally New Zealand teams play similarly the same. There's little um, alters in, in attack and defence that the New Zealand teams have. But playing the Australian teams, it was a breath of fresh air, and we actually got to play a different style of rugby and, and test our skills um, at doing different things than we would in New Zealand rugby. Oh, it's the same sentiment for bringing Will Genier into the Aotearoa rugby pod, really. It's, yeah. it's lifted our game. It has <laughs> put us on edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Making us be the best people we can possibly be. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, Will, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate you coming on board. No, I, love, I really appreciate it. Love what you guys are doing, so thank you so much. Right, well, guys, that was bloody good, Will Genier. Legend of the game. Legend Man, of the Aotearoa rugby pod. I've been, mate, just talking to him. <laughs> a hero yeah, of yours? God, man. Oh, what's that? A hero of yours? Oh, massively. Like, massively. Huge. Like, he's probably my... Yeah, Barfuri the prayer uh, from South Africa. He's my, like, growing up. Excellent, excellent. What about that drop goal from Cheslin Colby oh. 50 metres out? Oh, he, he certainly uh, sent a message, I suppose, to the Lions as well, didn't he? Like, that's a... <laughs> we, we all know that he can, he can run the ball and he can defend. He's a power defender. Um, but man, I, I, di- I didn't expect that uh, in that distance. Mm. wasn't at altitude either. <laughs> yeah. it, was, uh, it was cleanly hit. It yeah, put him at hit. 60 metres at altitude and it, yeah. then it could happen. But I mean, it could come to something like that. Like, uh, it was a pretty slick operation. I know we'll get to the Lions game later on, but they, they looked a slick outfit too. So it's setting up for, you know, quite, you know, when guys like that are in current form going into that South African environment, it's, it's exciting. Why don't we just jump straight into the Lions then? Um, you know, we've seen a bit of a drama with injury to Alan Wynne-Jones. What's the go-to as far as leadership? Oh, look, I've gone to Connor Murray as yeah. the skip, but they'll have a leadership group. They've got Owen Farrell there, um, you know, Itoji, um, uh, Hogs, a, a captain. There's, a, there's enough experience and leaders. And, and I, I actually like the way um, Connor Murray played on the weekend. He, he sort of wound back the clock. Sometimes a little bit too deep, Bryn, uh, on his box kicks. I can't, I shouldn't yep. be really coaching that, <laughs> uh, being a hooker. But yeah, they, they weren't really contestables. Mm. Uh, which would be the only the only um, point of, of concern, but he he really controlled things uh, well for Josh Adams try, uh, used the forwards well and then switched back, used the blind well. Courtney Laws scored one in the second half, which was disallowed because he knocks on. But the exact same players, you know, he's really busy and and looking and looking and then switched back blind and Courtney Laws you know knocked it on but was over the line. So a, a lot of his running game, kicking game balance and and that sort of you know, we talk about DuPont and, and being a general, a, a lot of their kicking game and a lot of their, their um, structure came off him. Uh, so I think he's in a perfect position, clearly, in the, in the role he plays in that team to be, to be leading that side. Mm. What do you make of it, Brent? Yeah, I think those points um, are all valid. And I think, look, um, you know, it's, it's devastating for Alan Wynne-Jones, who, again, has put so much in order to the Lions rugby, obviously Welsh rugby. And you know, fingers crossed he can, you know, after Brian was talking about it, that he might. I don't know if there's a call on it, but from what I heard a couple of days ago, is he might be ready for that first test at best, but yeah, you've almost got to prepare without him, and typical, obviously, injured. But no, no, I think Conor Murray, um, they're going to, the way they played on the weekend, it's pretty clear that's going to be the plan that's going to be um, implemented, probably. Um, they did it when they were here in 2017 with Conor Murray being massive test balls, and, um, and look, yeah, they'll get those test balls right where they actually will be able to have um, their winners going up in the air. Um, but you know, the worst case scenario is that they're within position just to make the tackle and so they can't counter-attack off that and 
I could get better at that, and um, they will implement that better moving forward. But um, yeah, 35 kicks to J- Japan's 21. Um, so obviously Japan wanted to play in the sort of high temper that they wanted to play. But yeah, I thought defensively, bar um, I thought defensively in that first half, that Lions team defended really, really well. Um, Japan threw a lot of them. Uh, you know, they probably they won the territory and the position battle with the amount of ball that they did have in, have in place. So I think they got what they needed out of that. And um, traditionally, you know, the Lions are, are, are great defensively. And as they are in the Northern Hemisphere, they have a lot of interest in how they defend and have a lot of, uh, um, um, they talk about that and defend that a lot. So, um, yeah, it's, it was a good a good start for them. And then, um, obviously, Conor Murray, his leadership will be, will be great. And he's got guys like Owen Farrell, who's um, captain England, obviously, a toe there as well, and Hogan. Other players that have have a, a bit of experience in them as well. I think you just touched on it um, there around their defence. Like in that first half, they really left the rucks alone. They didn't um, put too many hunters in, and they had, you know, fourteen. Sometimes the tacklers getting onto his feet, fifteen men on their feet, and they operated that rural rush D. I thought Henshaw was the player of the day for me. Like defensively, he was massive. He got up, he got an intercept one just before Vandermeer's try when he picked. Uh, down the blind side, but that was on the base of defensive pressure and getting a turnover from an intercept. He put on some great shots, but also, more importantly, he, he did almost like, uh, I don't know if you remember it, Malakai Fekitoa was really good at it. He'd shoot out at 13, show face to the first five, and almost put it in, in the first five's vision, and they almost go to pass it, and they're like, oh, no, and then they tuck and go, so it pushes them back into where his big bodies were. So he was massive on that and, and really clean and attack. He used really good feet before Josh Adams try and and I think then in the second half there were two or three going for the turnover and that's when they got broken on the edge and probably could have been scored against in the 76 minute if the crossfield kick had been a little bit more accurate so a couple of times they maybe got a little bit too tight late because they they had to absorb a lot of pressure Japan had a lot of ball in that second 40 and they defended you know don't get me wrong even when they were broken on the edge the pleasing thing is is they they bought into the rush D, but also once the ball had gone, they they busted ass to get back and make that tackle. And and when Hemino was held up, uh, I think around the 70th minute mark, you know that was a huge mm. effort because they were done there and they busted back and and you know obviously held him up. So their their yeah. defensive system's massive, but it does rely on guys making really good decisions around that breakdown. And I thought one guy that did did extremely well was Courtney Laws. I was really impressed. I thought he put in a massive shift. And we talk about Alan Jones, you know, potentially, you know, being out of the tour. Um, a guy like him stepping up like that a first game, you know, gives you comfort, I think. You know, when you've got a Toji and, and, and co to, to still come. So there, there was a lot to like. Um, and then on, on the attacking side, I really like their forwards into play, Bryn. I don't know if you saw it, but a lot of tips... A lot of inside balls, not just you know off the run carrying, and then their uh, Burns try, their whole running yeah. off ten. Uh, I mean, there was a, it was a pretty slick performance for a first first up game, and, and Japan threw everything at them. Um, so it was it was great viewing. Only thing I was a little bit confused. I don't know if you guys were, but why Japan were going for the threes at, at twenty eight seven, and the sixty fourth minute and the sixty seventh minute. I was sort of. Thought they might want to go for the corner and, and play catch up, but it's just um, setting a base for the comeback. Yeah, yeah, setting setting a base. But um, <laughs> other than that, I, honestly, I thought there was a lot to like and a lot to, um, I suppose, pull apart for the South African side. Mm, mm. A little bit closer to home, yeah. 
Uh, you obviously played in a big game on the weekend, Bryn, the, uh, the Māori versus uh, Samoa. 35-10 win down in Wellington. No one in the stands. Um, a little bit odd to watch, a little bit odd to play in. Yeah, look, look, if I'm being honest, yeah, it was tough. Like, again, we're, we're players that want to play in front of people. And, um, you know, we haven't played in Wellington in a long, well, it's been, I think, like 1990s was the last time we, we played in Wellington for the Māori All Blacks. So um, we're a little bit disappointed around that. And obviously COVID was flooding around uh, start early start of the week. So uh, it was an interesting week. It was a different week for us. But um, the great thing about our group and understanding is that, you know, anytime you get to put on the Maldives jersey, um, it's an honour. And, and the boys really enjoy putting that jersey on and representing our our people so um yeah it was tough but i think for us it was terrible conditions as well like it was man seriously one of the worst games i've played played in wind wise down at the patron um so it was just massively around our, our set piece you know we did a lot of line out drives and um, got parity through that way and then um you know our kicking game was was pretty good around oatsy and even trasky and shooter and um our box kiss as well really suffocated them so um the overall we were just happy to get the job done i think uh, we left a little bit out there and um, it's been a massive motivating factor for us that we know that um, the All Blacks are playing before us, are playing after us, and uh, it's going to be a double header in Mount Smart, which is um, a massive um, Pacifica culture and Polynesian people with Māori people there as well. So um, for us, it's, we're looking forward to having an opportunity to rectify a few things and uh, to get back to kind of playing running rugby, which is um, the main thing for Māori rugby, which we're really looking forward to this week. Alex Nankerville, I thought was huge. You know, he, he was yeah. um, key turnover. Um, for Shooter's second try, uh, gave a great offload for Sean Wainui's second try. You know, we, we sat on here and spoke about Quintapaya and, you know, we've spoken about the Chiefs and how uh, Nankville stepped up. But another big performance at, a, at the next level. Uh, you know, I thought he was massive. Also, he gave that great ball uh, when uh, before Shooter's first try, before Trask put the grubber through. Uh, I, I don't know, like his all-round performance, it looked like he, he really um, took his opportunity. Yeah, Nank's been massive, and I think he's just been a flow-on effect from his um, his performances in, um, in that Trans-Tasman competition. And look, I think every time he's played for the Māori, he's, he's, he's played great. I think we look back a couple of years ago, uh, he came off the bench against Fiji and was, was massive around impact around that. And then the next week, had a man-of-the-match performance against Fiji in, in Rotorua, so... Um, if you're talking about guys at the next level, and obviously with Braden Enroll um, being injured as well, we've talked about Leicester. But I think, you know, the fortunate um, thing for Nank has been able to play international rugby, being a part of the Māori All Blacks. And so um, his, his subtle touches, especially in the wet, was massive for us. Um, around the edge, a lot of times he fixed defenders, giving our guys like Trasky, um, Shooter and Shawnee, giving them the ball with time and space, which was pretty crucial for a guy at, at number 12. So... Um, and then defensively as well, he brought a, he pretty much brought up our line speed, getting guys, the Samoan boys, turning them in, especially in wet conditions. He put them under a lot of pressure. So overall, he had a, he had a massive game for us. He was um, he was great for us and performed really, really well. And um, again, if he gets up here on the weekend, you know, he's just going to keep something on the door. Again, there could be injuries and you know, performances like that against um, international teams. It's going to set him well moving forward. Can we touch on Samoa quickly? Because I, I think they fronted up quite well. They'd only been together um, for a short space of time. I know you you lads as well, but um, I, I thought you know that there was a good set-piece battle in that first 40. They fell away, obviously, towards that, that scrum dominance that you guys had towards the end. But a lot of their, their interplay and, and their structure, they, they bashed away at your guys' line towards the end. Um, Fumai did a great read. Um, your pendulum hadn't come across, and he scored that try. Um, you know, 
they got that quick ball that that try was disallowed where they made you tackle which left no one in the boot yep. and and the full there was just a lot to their game that I thought in those conditions that they performed really well. Yeah, they did, mate. They um, they actually were a lot better around their lightning quick ball. Um, like they were at 68% ruck speed and we were at 56%. Mm. So, you know, um, physically, they were actually really good around there, um, posing a lot of questions for us around their attack. And, you know, traditionally, they're big physical men. And like you said, um, Jip, there were a couple of ball carrying opportunities where they got in behind us and really posed us a lot of questions. And to be honest, I thought in that first half, they did really well around... Um, switching back to the blind side in the wet. Um, again, they probably didn't want to pick because there was a bit of wind and so didn't feel comfortable in that. But um, obviously with Andrew Goodman being a part of that, um, that coaching makeup, um, brought in a few things from the Crusaders around wet with the footy and going back down and actually made a few a few bends in it and got through our line quite a few times. So it'll be something that um, we need to we need to shore up. And again, and if they can um, if they can suss out their discipline as well, they had 16 penalties on the weekend with gave us opportunities to go to our mall uh, where we had charity at scrum times and, and moments where we were able to relieve pressure. If they can just um, suss out that a little bit better, and then again, that gives them a good opportunity to perform better on the weekend. And again, very similar to us, uh, it's the second week together. Um, they'll be able to be more confident, full-on week not being in COVID, not being limited around the preparation. So um, the more preparation that they'll have, uh, we're expecting a much better money uh, side more team come uh, to the region. How do you calculate 58% ruck speed for the uninitiated? What does that mean? Two seconds or less. So right. ball carry, clean, ball up, gone. Gone. So yeah. that's lightning quick ball. Lightning um, quick ball. And, and you know, if you're in those 60s, high 60s, you're doing really well. It means you're really effective in your clean. Ash Dixon, um, obviously another solid performance from him. Is there a guy in New Zealand rugby, let's say even possibly the history of New Zealand rugby, who hasn't played for the All Blacks, who is that good? Well, there's an award named after one, the oh, Dwayne Monkley Medal. Dwayne Monkley Medal, yeah. So it might get renamed. Um, no, but it's a hard place to fall into when you're, when you're old, you find such great form in your latter part of your career. Um, and he's just got better with age and his leadership and, and his, I suppose, respect in groups comes through and that comes through in his performance and his preparation. Um, you know, we've spoken at length over a number of years now that he's worthy of All Black selection. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I think we even touched on it last week. Um, but, you know, you've got Colsey, you've got Cody there, who are world-class, you know, would be in the top five mm. of current world hookers, I would say, both those. So you've got Asafa Amor, who, whose game is just got growing. You know, he's, he's putting in the reps and doing the business at Super Rugby, and he's done, he's done it back-to-back years, and, and, he, and he's that explosive talent, different style of player. If one of your senior guys goes down, you know, because he's probably not going to be able to play that third hooker role yeah. in terms of Asafa more and, you know, learning off the older guys and, and, and moulding. But if one of the senior guys goes down, I don't think they would be looking away from him at all. I, I definitely still think there's a reason... You know that you keep depth and players like Ash in this environment, and I know that he's really motivated to represent um, his culture uh, and that Māori All Blacks team. But um, I know there would be a deep down hunger to represent the All Blacks, and and his performance over the last two or three years it, it warrants it. There's no question, but it's just finding the space when there's so so many good hookers going around at the moment. But if one of those senior guys fell down at a, at a crucial Test match, you you would could not go wrong with calling him in because one, you know he'd pick up game plan really quick. Two, he'd just he'd just 
be really experienced and focused on himself and, and no doubt put in a big shift um, that would do the team benefit but only uh, not only that himself as well. Let's say a junior guy goes down, let's say Amor goes down, do you then bring, bring in the experienced guy you know is going to be an easy backup, you know he's not going to do anything wrong or do you go okay we need to make sure that the third guy is someone for the future? I think, I just think the fact that there was the two, um, you know, Posey and um, Cody weren't injured, then I think, you know, that third position is more like a, a mentoring and kind of learning your trade under those two. And I think, look, I think probably you probably want to go with a younger guy, like, you know, Takiyahu or, or a younger guy that's probably um, trying to show with more potential long-term, long-term for rugby um, in New Zealand. But look, if you know, if we, for example, let's just say Ash stayed here for the, the World Cup 2023 and Colsey or... Um, or Cody got injured, you know, then those kind of selection headaches, I think, would be there in a World Cup year. I think there's something on the line with a guy that's proven at Super Rugby level, even at international level, playing for the New Zealand Maldives for a number of years. I think that's the kind of the, that's the kind of time that you bring in Ash. And you know, if he did, if you talk to me, he probably want to be the third hooker. And if you got to play a test match, he'd want to be there. But I oh. think for the sake of what Jeff has said, I think they would go a younger guy. It was a younger guy that got injured, like Armore. I'm um, sorry, yeah, if Armore got injured, you go with the younger, with the younger player. But they, the other two boys, if like Cody Taylor and Dane Coles got injured, like we got into that kind of scenario, then a guy like Ash Dixon, I think would slip in yeah. pretty easily. And absolutely, he wants that third hooker spot. You know, I was in a similar place. Like I was told, you know, they wanted to use it to grow someone, and and you know, I was like, oh, I'll grow, let me grow. You know, like yeah. of course you want to be in there, but it's not. You got to think as a coach as well, and and to to Bryn's point um, around a World Cup, I don't think they'll hesitate to bring someone if one of those senior mm. boys went down, because you know you'll deliver. His mm. his core skills. I do not think there's a better thrower, and this is going to be huge. But in world rugby, like he is so accurate, yeah. like it's freakish. Yeah, I'm, I just want to go on that, Jeff. Like just, I just want to go on that for like example on the weekend. Terrible condition, windy. You couldn't obviously the when you wouldn't have been able to see how bad it was on TV. But yeah, his ball deliveries into that line. We talked about it after the game talking to the locks. They just said like you just know every single time that he's going to put it on the money. Doesn't matter if it's wind, hail, or shine, he's going to get it right. So imagine being in a World Cup scenario. Oh. You know where you need to bring a guy who hasn't played a lot. A guy like that who nails his core. Chip, you know this as a as a as a hooker. Mainly your core role was a massive part of that. You know wouldn't have to question it. You would not question it at all when it came with Ash. We've just spoken at depth how important lineouts are in attack platforms. <laughs> your, your halfback isn't going to get the ball if you don't want it. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. How's the week been, Bryn, down with the uh, the Māori team? You're into the, your second week. Um, it's obviously a very special experience, mm. a, a very unique and cherished experience within New Zealand and world rugby. Yeah, it is, mate. Take away, obviously, COVID uh, last week and uh, the disruptions that we had through the week. But I think for us, it was more so we got to connect as a, as a group to, together. So you know, we had a lot of a lot of wiser, um, a lot of a lot of time to connect with each other. With obviously couldn't go out a lot. So for us, it was a really great opportunity to get to know each other. We were quite lucky that we've got a pretty settled squad, and a lot of us have pretty much played probably the last two or three campaigns together. So the familiarity with the players is is, is an all time high, and then. You know, for us, we're in Auckland now, which um, just seen a bit of sun for the first time in 10 days. So um, it's been very, very nice for us. And um, we're looking forward to the challenge on the weekend um, because I think we felt a little bit, how do I say this? We felt a little bit underdone around with the weather, not being able to express how we wanted to play Māori rugby. 
we don't get a lot of opportunities to be able to rep- represent our people and represent this team. So for us, it's an opportunity. We want to go out there and put on a performance that um, for our fans and can represent and show what we Maori rugby is about because um, like you said, it's a special, special team to be a part of and I can speak for everybody in this team. Um, we love being here and um, the more opportunities that we do get to be together, um, it's only going to grow for us as players, but I think uh, for Maori rugby moving forward, which is massive for us moving forward. So if there was, let's say, uh, a return of the Pacific Nations Cup, would that be the way to go? Um, look, I think we've got Tonga playing the All Blacks. Fiji playing the All Blacks, Samoa offered a test against the All Blacks, uh, playing the, the Māori All Blacks at the moment. Um, I don't think it's about going back to something like that, but if the calendar was too jam-packed and they weren't getting opportunities, then it, absolutely it's something you look at. But I think there's been a genuine um, intent from nations and world rugby to get them you know, that, that first division opportunity. Um, against teams like the All Blacks, Wallabies and so forth. So um, if it was to happen outside of those opportunities, then absolutely, because I think it would be more more rugby for our our, our Māori All Blacks um, and potentially our All Blacks 15 in time. Um, So there there will be opportunities and teams to play against. It's just what's right for developing them and their teams and making sure that they're getting stronger as well. What is the conversation in camp like when you talk about things like this? Oh, look, we're, we're grateful to obviously have the opportunity. Um, you know, probably in the last three, four years, bar the, bar the British and Irish Lions, um, you know, we played against Fiji, um, Samoa, um, this this campaign. But um, we've had opportunities as well to play like Barbarians 15s and going, over, going overseas to Europe when we um, have the opportunity. So I think for us, we're a competitive bunch. And look, we want to be, we'd love to play against the top 10 nations. You know, playing Australia would be great or, you know, in England or in Ireland. Um, you know, imagine going over to like a couple of years ago, we played Munster and Lumbrick. You know, so um, for us, we love to play against um, you know top tier nations and, and test us, test ourselves against those against those players and against those kind of teams. And you know, that's no disrespect. We love playing the, the our Island Brothers, and every time we play them, it's an awesome encounter. But I think for us as well, we'd love to have an opportunity to be able to play against an England at Twickenham. You know, what an experience for us as a group to be able to do that. So um, we love both. We love being able to put on the jersey. We love playing against our Pacific brothers, like I said. But then at the same time, we'd love to have an opportunity to play against the top tier nations and test ourselves against the best in the world. Well, all the best maybe against Samoa for this weekend. The uh, a double header, I suppose we'd call it, with the All Blacks game against Tonga second up. So, Bryn, thank you very much for joining us once again from somewhere else in the same city. But uh, a <laughs> very busy working time for Bryn Hall. Oh, mate, one busy man. You go well this weekend, Brenner. Cheers, boys. Thank you to James Parsons. I'm Ross Carl. Thank you very much for joining us on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. We'll catch you again next week. Don't forget to catch the Māori All Blacks versus Samoa and the All Blacks versus Tonga from Mount Smart this weekend on Sky and RugbyPass.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.